Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. And it's that special time again, guys of a certain age. Robbie Koblenz in studio alongside Jay Reed. And Art is somewhere on his way to the Alamo. He's in the air, I believe, now, maybe. I think he is. I think he is. So, was it Davy Crockett or Daniel Boone at the Alamo? Oh, was, gosh, history lesson. I think it was Davy Crockett, wasn't it? I was going to say Daniel Boone, but Daniel Boone was more Tennessee, Kentucky. Maybe it was Davy Crockett. Let's see. I'm going to see. Would you if, like me to sing one of the songs? Uh, Daniel Boone was a man. He was a big man. Was a big man. Uh, I don't think it was. No, I think it was. I think it was Daniel Boone. I'm going I'm to Google Daniel Boone. Alamo. I've always gotten those guys confused. You know, I hate to say that. But. Well, you know, when I watched whatever, what was the show? Daniel Boone or Davy Crockett? So Daniel Boone, the, the, he died before the Alamo. So it wasn't him or... So, yeah. So it was Davy Crockett. It okay. was Davy Crockett. Uh, I'm looking down. We all know that Wikipedia is completely, totally correct all I'm the counting time. counting on it today for Texas the Texas Revolution. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he died at... Uh, he died at the Alamo. Well, let's so. hope Art doesn't. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking if he was going to get a Davy Crockett hat. Oh, with the little squirrel tail. Yeah. Or did you have Coons, one of those? Coonskin. Yeah. Did you have one of those? It as seems a kid? like maybe we had one. Yeah. Between my brother and I. Yeah. Davy Crockett was the Walt Disney show. Or we may have just wanted one. We may have coveted somebody else's yeah. coonskin cap. I thou, can't remember. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's coonskin cap. <laughs> Coonskin cap. Yeah, that's in the book of Hezekiah. That that's right. That's right. That's from uh, Second Opinions, chapter three, verse eight. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, well, cool. Let's jump into our geeks of the week. It's only going to be two of them. You want to go first? I will be glad to. I, this is interesting because I know what based on what we're going to talk about today and some other things going on. I googled Robert St. John, who is a a mystery, uh, not a mystery, a Mississippi chef that we've both worked with in various ways. And and, and he's a mystery, too. He's if, a mystery. If, if you're listening, enigma, Robert, I think you're an enigma. So you know how Google is. You type in Robert, and obviously all these things pop up. So the first thing that popped up was not Robert St. John, sorry, Robert, but was a graphic novel that is being developed based on Robert Mueller's Report. Now we're going to talk, wow. we're not going to talk about the politics of the report. We're going to talk about what they're doing with it. Of course, the report is four hundred something pages long. You know, congressmen that should be reading it haven't even read it because it's so long. I'm certainly not going to read it. But these two guys decided to do a graphic novel and just going <laughs> to whittle it down to about two hundred pages. Wow, you know, pictures and all. Uh, the guys are cartoonist Shannon Wheeler and then a journalist named Steve Dewan. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, so it's going to be about 200 pages, expecting to come out in April of next year. Um, I I don't know that I will read it even even in graphic novel form, but it just seems fascinating. And the more I got into who are these guys, Shannon Wheeler drew a comic once upon a time called Too Much Coffee Man. Have you seen this one? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> it was Dark Horse Comics, I think, published oh, yeah. it. Okay. Uh, so you got Too Much Coffee Man and his friend uh, Too Much Espresso Man. His, uh, there's a female, let's see, her name was too much German chocolate or or German white chocolate almonds woman. Uh, it was just crazy stuff, but, um, 
he wore instead of tights like your average superhero wore um, red long johns, tight red long johns. It was his uh, superhero outfit with a cup of cup of coffee on his head. So wow, that's diverging from the the uh, Mueller report well, graphic and, novel, but still. And I see IDW is publishing it, which is a is a pretty mainstream comic book uh, publisher. So that's really yeah, it was fascinating. And then the guy that uh, is the journalist Steve Doing, he has written a book called Comics Between the Panels, which is kind of a behind the scenes book about comic strips, and then uh, another graphic novel called Oil and Water, which is about the aftermath of the Deepwater Horizon spill. So they both bring different elements to it, but it, it, I, I, I think it's something I would enjoy looking at, you know, flipping through. I don't know that I would catch the whole thing, but anyway. I, I just kind of think that there's going to be a really limited publishing run on that. <laughs> you know, or will it be better sold in DC or outside of yeah, the, the really, Bellway? Really? You know, it's funny. I, I remember I've always come up with all kinds of different ideas to make money. And, uh, when the, uh, when the Clinton tapes were released, his, uh, his grand jury, um, his grand jury testimony, um, to when he was at the White House and the grand jury uh, uh, questioned him, it was over a video link. Well, those tapes were released on C-SPAN, so they were public domain. And so I thought, how cool would it be to record that off of C-SPAN, turn it into a DVD, and sell it online? And I tried and didn't get anything. But, uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of along the same lines, taking a public document like the Mueller Report, adapting it to make uh, capitalistic gains out of. So good for them. Maybe you should have done this. You've seen these uh, videos called Bad Lip Reading, a lot of football players and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that would be they... hilarious. <laughs> that, maybe that's where you need oh, to do Oh, wow. Boy, yeah, yeah. That would uh, that would have been pretty intense. So, yeah, good. Hindsight's $20. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, <laughs> depends on where you get your eyes checked. So, um, all right. Well, my geek of the week is uh, CableTV.com did a, uh, a survey of your state's most beloved Pixar movies in 2019. So this was uh, in, in front of Toy Story 4, which is uh, just released last weekend. Did you go see Toy Story 4 yet? I haven't yet, no. I didn't realize it was even out till yesterday. Yeah, I want to go see it. I really enjoyed the Toy Stories. Um, great, great stuff. So... Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions. So what do you think the most popular Toy Story movie is that was streamed, watched in the U.S. in 2019? Oh, so watchings or, or views in this year so far. Yeah, yeah. And this doesn't include Toy Story 4. This is everything else. What do you think the most popular Probably three, as people like me, you know, want to go back and see what happened last, so they could prepare for the four. Buzz, no, up, Buzz, yeah, wink, wink. Yeah, there you go, there you go. There's a snake in my boots. Up was the it's not Buzz. No, it's not. It's it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's Woody. But uh, Up was the favorite Pixar movie in 17 states so far in 2019. From well, you viewers. said which one? Which Toy Story movie? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <clears throat> buzz, 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 buzz. No. Which Pixar movie? Which Pixar movie? Toy Story, Pixar, it's all the same. So, up. 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 Was, up. So that was a good one, but it's not something I've watched 17 over. states, that was the favorite Pixar movie streamed so far, watched in 2019. How funny. Yeah. Does yeah. say why? Or I guess they don't know why. They don't know why. So uh, 17 states, including Mississippi. Huh. So uh, in Alabama, Georgia, District of Columbia, Illinois, 
uh, Maryland, Michigan, Missouri, New York, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. So and our thousands of listeners will most likely go listen go watch it now so that number probably go up yeah so no pun intended there you go so <laughs> i I, w- I was fascinated by that the next uh the next most popular is brave and really? so yeah that was uh that was the top stream movie in eight states uh, inside out was number three with five and then everything else was kind of one-offs so yeah, yeah, would not have picked any of those as well, the top ones. I, I, I would have picked up um, as one of the top three because it had such a huge emotional impact. Um, I would not have picked Brave. Um, Inside Out makes sense as well. Brave is the one that's kind of a, a little bit of a question mark. I would have replaced that with Finding Nemo. But these are relative. Well, no, Up is from two thousand nine. So I was going to say these are relatively recent. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Anyway, I thought that was pretty fascinating. It is. Um, and again, this is CableTV.com. And uh, what I should have done, if I'd been really well prepared, I would have grabbed uh, the um, uh, the 2018 numbers and compared them. But <clears throat> I didn't. So there you go. Next episode. Yeah. But uh, so we all like up here. Well, I, I now, now I want to watch it again. Yeah. When's the last time you watched up? Probably whenever it came out on DVD. I, I will tell you. The I don't think I saw it in theater. We saw it in theaters. We saw everything in theaters through. We did Brave. Uh, the the dinosaur movie we did not see. The good dinosaur we didn't see it in the theaters. Well, see, we were out of the country from 99 to 2009. So there was no theaters where yeah. we were. Now we there was uh, bootleg DVDs the week before the movie came out. It's in the States. <laughs> Wow, we, <laughs> they we, were sometimes available, but we won't turn him in. So, um, yeah, we won't turn Jay in for illegal uh, distribution oh, or I receiving. I wasn't deep bootlegging or or, or anything or, illegal. Yeah, there you go. Um, it was just there. The uh, so I, I really do think the first seven or eight minutes of Up is some of the most poignant, beautiful storytelling ever. If you remember, that was the uh, uh, sequence of the. And I forget the guy's name. Who was the main character played by Ed Asner? Um, Carl and um, his wife, their whole life together, them them growing up, growing okay, old. They were going to go on this adventure. She got sick and died, and they never went on the adventure. And what an incredible, um, just poignant storytelling that was with no dialogue whatsoever it's just music huh. and uh, just a really amazing piece of art right there so, so i wonder if, if grown-ups are the ones accounting for the high numbers of watching that or kids well you know what's really interesting is the kids who grew up on toy story are grown-ups now and you know so toy story uh i think some of the i've got a i've got an intern or a part-timer who tracks with andy's age on Toy Story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. It's because uh, you you got to think Toy Story came out was it ninety six? It's either ninety ninety six or ninety seven. So uh, yeah, we're twenty plus years. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't believe it. <laughs> you know, prior to the the incredible success that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had, the other uh, golden goose was Pixar. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, and yeah. how how um 
interesting is that the Disney owns both those franchises along with Star Wars. That's why I'm saying the the new Disney Plus service is going to own us all. <laughs> you know. Right. So, but uh, anyway. So that's uh that's my geek of the week on uh a little TV movie based which kind of segues into our main topic today, which is reality TV. Reality TV, which is it's not called it's not real life TV, it's reality television. So Okay, yeah. It's certainly not real life. Yeah. <laughs> well most of the time anyway. No, no, not at all. So uh well Jay, lead us into it. This is something that you've been pretty interested in. Yeah, and I'm not we watch occasional reality stuff. My brother and others, you know, would watch Survivor and talk about, you know, having to be home at a certain time to watch this or D V R or whatever. I never got really into that type of it, but anything food competition that mm-hmm. really intrigued me. And I was thinking about, you know, why was it? But it's just so easy. I can sit down in the middle and I can turn on chopped or something like that, just to, to give an example. And they be a third of the way into it. And it doesn't take me long to get sucked in yeah. to pick a, pick a favorite and wonder what they're going to do with this crazy basket full of stuff. And I just get sucked in so easy to all of that. Um, and then over, over time, as Food Network and other shows, I mean, it's so many now. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, it's like collecting cards. You know, I talked about, we talked about our, our collectibles episode. When you went from Tops and Donruss to, you know, 10 different companies. Absolutely. And trying to keep up with it. Same with the food. You know, it started out with Food Network, then you got Top Chef, you got Master Chef, and you got all these offshoots of each show, the juniors and the, in the regionals and all this stuff and food network just continually coming up with new ones. So I, you know, you can't watch them all. You know, when I think back to reality television, my first remembrance goes back to the real world on MTV. Oh yeah. You know, and that was really the first reality television show. Uh, and that was a pioneer for so many different reasons. Um, the way they shot it, just the the technical aspects of it, and how it was confined to one house, and that 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 set the standard for everything. And um, you know, the real world was the only reality television there for for years. Yeah, and then and it was only a part of MTV. Now I think right. it's kind of flipped, and MTV is more. More of that and less Boy, music. I tell you what, yeah, and I haven't watched it in a long time. I haven't watched MTV reason. in forever, and uh, but Real World was just it was riveting drama. Oh yeah, you know because I was that age when it came out. This was eighty nine, ninety something like that, and um, uh, it kind of set the standard. And then Survivor was the next big mm-hmm. reality television thing that I remember that just kind of boom, and then everything took off from there. It was some type of competition, right? And, you know, so from the from the economic standpoint, those shows are a lot cheaper to produce than scripted dramas. Um, so a reality television show, a cooking competition show like a Chop Junior or a Master Chef or what have you is a heck of a lot cheaper than upping the cast of Friends for another season. <laughs> right. Well, and, and so that that's what happens. You know, when you look at, at shows, uh, prestige shows or very popular shows like The West Wing or friends, or any of those NBC, or insert any network right. there. Um, as that show gets more popular, you have to pay the stars more mm-hmm. uh, to to stick around because you usually get them on the front end on a sweetheart deal, 
And then uh, it's that second and third deal that gets very, very expensive, not unlike an NFL or Major League Baseball contract. Right. So, so I guess with the, with the reality show, you've got the big payoff at the end for the winner. Which is nothing. expenses would be about the same as another show. Well, it's, actually, it's a lot less. cheaper. So, you know, you've only got one marquee star that you're paying, and that's a lower rate than a Jennifer Aniston. So, um, now let's look at – because I've got a little experience, you look at MasterChef. Mm -hmm. And just for those of you guys who may have not heard early on in our introductions, my youngest son, Mark, was on Chop Junior and MasterChef Junior. He's the only kid chef to do both shows. Um, we uh, Mark did the pilot of, of Chop Junior, and then he was season five of MasterChef Junior. There's some things I can talk about, but there's a lot of can't. And so um, um, I've got a there may be abrupt pauses in the editing of this, you know, as, as we, uh, as we take Robbie's foot out of his mouth. But if you look at the economics of master chef, um, number one, it's an incredibly popular franchise and it's, it's worldwide. And, um, in the U S version, Gordon Ramsay and the British version, Gordon Ramsay is your, is your, your top name. So he's your, he's the, probably the most expensive component of, Oh, he'd have to be. Of that show, production costs. Then you've got all your associated production costs where you've got, you know, producers, directors, culinary producers, camera operators, editors. You've got that entire thing. And that's a little bit heavier than, say, the production of a dramatic um, uh, half hour or hour show mm -hmm. uh, because – you know, Master Chef Junior, you've got cameras flying all over the place. You've got a large studio, the whole nine yards, but you don't have those huge talents fees to pay. And it's a it's a 12, 13, 15 episode payoff to $100,000. And um, so it, it's a heck of a lot cheaper than a single episode of Friends. And I'm guessing because I watched uh, this season, we watched, well, we DVR'd the the junior competition and my daughter and I watched kind of the last half of it over the past couple of weeks. And our, but I remember them saying, pointing out like the Viking ranges. So how mm -hmm. much of that is donated for well, commercial? None of, none of it's donated. Uh, you know, I, and this is just speculation. I don't know any of this information, but, um, a lot of times appliances like that are, um, or it's either swapped or Vikings going to pay to have their product in. And that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah product yeah. placement kind of thing. Yeah. So there's a product placement in, you know, I know with master chef when, um, when Bonnie and Mark flew out, um, they flew on, I believe it was Southwest who was the promotional partner of, okay. of, of master chef, the official airline of master chef. So you've got to stay within those lanes somewhat. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's incredible. It's an incredibly popular contest. I think, uh, junior is on season seven. Now Mark was season five. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Or they just finished up season seven and then, uh, master chef senior. It's 10. Just yeah. finished 10. Because no. at, the, at the end of junior, they were talking about uh, ten seasons of MasterChef. It was about to, the tenth was about to start. See, I thought, well, yeah. So uh, because I thought, shh, I guess it was eight before Mark did five. What was real interesting is they were kind of they the so they're they're both junior and senior are shot in the same studio. Mm. Oh, okay. And they have to dress it, and so they're going to run all of junior, and then they're going to run senior. So mm. there's no over overlap i wondered about that yeah so um it's a it's a cool studio space man it really is neat it looks like it is um but yeah so they they dress them differently and same thing for chopped chopped senior and junior uh were were 
or shot in the same studio space. Mm -hmm. They swap out some lighting accents and some colors. Um, interesting uh, note about the uh, the chop space is the where the chop studio is at Food Network headquarters. It was originally built to be Emerald Live's set, so Emerald Live was there. Okay. If you remember the genesis of the Food Network, where Emerald Lagasse had his um, nighttime seven o'clock cooking variety show okay. Emerald live. And, uh, so there's an elevator that you can get into. You, you can't get into without a key access or whatnot, but it, it's relatively easy to get to that studio space. And that was originally where you had a full studio audience, the whole nine yards. And, um, when they came up with the idea of chop, they re, I guess Emerald's show had run its course. They repurposed that space. And if you look at the, uh, some of the origins of the, the pilot of chopped, um, and you can find this, this is common knowledge as well. It was originally, uh, conceived to be at a billionaire's house and the billionaire is having these contestants come in. It was kind of a really gothic esoteric sort of set <laughs> and um so if you recall at at that point when chop premiered iron chef was huge and okay, so right right you know so iron chef which was the japanese sensation where you had the chairman uh -huh. you know quote unquote uh bringing all these guys in to perform and you had a, a little soap opera a little uh, over the top there. So I, I always thought, and again, this is just my assumptions, I always thought that the uh, the setup of Chopped was taking a little bit of that that uh, overacting with with Iron Chef and kind of distilling it down. So, All of them have a little overacting. We yeah. were commenting on that, even watching MasterChef Junior. It's just the, the drama between the judges' conversations. Yeah. Oh, what this you know they're saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> well, but you know, it, it's in chopped. Still fun. Yeah, it is. And chopped is is really um I mean, it's a half hour show and you got to move quick. And uh those kids and I know again my experience is chopped junior. I was with Mark when he did chopped junior. Um the time they have on the clock is the time they have. They do not know any of the ingredients of the basket what'll happen is they'll open the basket and reveal then they'll they'll hold that for 30 45 seconds and get a couple other shots and then they'll start the clock but that's what you've got okay so well, that's what i would expect yeah yeah so uh and and that was uh that was a lot of fun so i'm sure it was great i, I would love to be I've, I've always imagined i think that's probably why i watched the next food network star so avidly even though i don't they went through 14 seasons and there's no sign of a 15th as far as I can tell. But, but that one had always had other people. There was bloggers on there. Mm -hmm. There was, there were chefs, but yeah. there were other folks who were just food related. And I thought, you know, this is something that I could do. Maybe I don't, but then I talked to Linky Mariah. Linky was on season eight. She originally from South Africa, but then her family uh, came to Tupelo just an hour plus from here. And uh, so she's been to Startville before I've met her in Tupelo once. And, and I actually just asked her, you know, I thought this would be fun. What would it take? And she said, well, you know, if you, if you decide to do it, give me a call and we'll, you know, kind of give you some advice. Um, I'm sure she was told me nothing uh, <laughs> behind the scenes. But, but anyway, the, the more I actually looked into it one time to see what the requirements were to apply. Yeah. And you have to have X number of recipes, like, in your head, ready to go, and – 
I just thought, okay, well, that, that leaves me out right there. <laughs> I mean, I can make a hundred things up, but they're probably not going to turn out to be very judgeworthy or, or whatever. So it's, in, it's pretty intense, but it's the one show that I thought this, maybe I could fit into this and Iron Chef, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm looking up, um, there is the, the casting agency for Food Network is, I think it's JS Casting. And if anybody's interested in, uh, I'm looking up, yeah, it's jscasting.com. If you are interested in, in going for one of the Food Network shows, this is the place to, uh, to, to jump into. And they cast for some HGTV stuff as well. So they're, they're casting for Chop Junior Season 9. Uh, there's a new creative cooking show for amateur and professional cooks, uh, a new Food Network restaurant series, a military dating docu series, uh, and you can just send in your, um, you know, your your info and say, okay. "Hey, I'm I'm available." Um, and those guys have been great. Those are the folks who who cast Mark for, for okay for Chop Junior. That was an interesting. Um, that was an interesting story that that kind of I think might might play into this a little bit. If you're interested in, in hearing Jay, sure, why not? Um, so Mark was interested in the uh, Rachel Ray Kids Cookoff, which was Rachel Ray and Guy Fieri there for forever. And Mark really liked Guy Fieri and Alton Brown. Those were his two culinary go tos on sure. Food Network. And um, so I said, okay, son figure out which one you want to do. Let me know what the casting requirements are. We'll, we'll cut a demo. And so we shot a demo. It was on a good Friday. Um, I guess four years ago at this point. Yeah. Four years ago. And, um, um, he was doing a chicken pot pie and you know, it was, it was, again, I'm a video guy, so I'm doing wides, I'm doing tides, I'm editing it. And it turned out really well. Um, submitted it a week later on a Friday to, um, JS casting, he was doing that Rachel Ray show. And I had, um, I had to fly out to go to a conference that Sunday. I get a phone call Monday. So I submitted it to JS casting on Friday, Monday afternoon. I get a phone call saying, Hey, we're really interested in, in, in Mark, you know, would you guys be open for a Skype interview? And, and so that's, that's how that thing goes. You know, they're going to, you know, you submit a, uh, to a casting call and, um, then you, you submit a tape and then if they like you, the next step is they'll do some Skype interviews. And, uh, so you'll go with a culinary producer. They're going to watch you cook that sort of thing. So you need to have your, your, your dishes ready to go and be able to talk and cook, which right. is a, which is a talent that, Oh yeah, it's very very difficult. Yeah, that's the one thing from Nick's, Nick's NF whatever Nick's Food Network star that they always emphasize, and so many people blow. Yeah, is being able to talk and time things and and still get your food cooked and tasted and everything. It's it's pretty intense. It is, it is, and so we went through that process with Mark. He did, I think, two Skype interviews and. Um, you know, the bad thing was they, they don't tell you if you don't make it, you only hear if you do make it and That's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, it was pretty disappointing because it became obvious, you know, six weeks later, eight weeks later, we didn't hear anything. And, uh, then I, I forget whether they reached out, um, but there was a, I saw casting for chop junior and, uh, or, you know, I, 
it wasn't named Chop Jr. at that point. And so by JS Casting, and they may have reached out and said, hey, would Mark be interested or whatever? And we said, yeah, sure we would. You've already got his stuff here. Let us know what you need. And that procedure went on, and they did a couple more Skype interviews. And then, um, you know, we get the phone call saying, hey, are you guys available um, this range of time? Uh-huh. And we're like, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll make it. We'll find a way. We'll find a way. Uh, it, you know what? In both both shows that Mark was on, they were, um, they, were very, they were very concerned about school. They wanted to work around school schedules. And um, so, but anyway, so we went up and – Ended up, Mark ended up doing three days on set at Chop Jr. And he made it all the way to the end. He was cut at the end. And uh, so you've got, you've got your setup interviews that you do on camera. That's the Genesis stuff, uh-huh. you know. Uh, and then you've got the, the cooking competition. And then you've got the exit interview at the end. And so that's how, how it all pulls and together. And I guess all that commentary in between where they're talking about stuff, does that happen at the end? Or yeah, so actually- so after each dish, so you have what you see is what you get on television. You get the thirty minutes to prep, and then they they reveal, um, and then they they judge, and then the kids go off, and then they talk about it, and they come in and chop. Now, some of the challenges are if there's gaps from prepping the dish to judging. I know at one point the dish was prepped and then we had lunch. If I remember oh, correctly, no. then you had to come back and it's just part of it, you know, and, uh, it's part of television. So, uh, and the judges do we didn't have ice cream. Well, there was plate. one, there was one, I think the dessert round mark did have ice cream. Um, but they got to it really quick, but I mean, they, the judges understand that. And I will say the judges they pull for these shows are, uh, Amanda Freitag and Leanne Wong. And, um, I forget the third judge. Uh, she's married to Arnie Hammer. Um, I watched the show, but I don't remember who the judges were. Anyway, they, they were, they were great. And, um, so again, what you see is what you get there. And, uh, so it's a pretty quick record. It's usually a day and a half to record that. And, um, then you, you go on your way and then you're sworn to secrecy like any other Uh reality television show. So it's interesting. Chopped is the one, I guess. I've known because I know Mark, of course, and he's on Chopped Junior. And I have a, another friend, Virginia Willis, who's a chef who was on the other Chopped. And actually, I think she kind of ended up same as him, got to the final yeah. round and was maybe Chopped at the very end. But uh, I was tasked with doing a chop style competition with one of our Arts Council events here in town, and uh, I was like, "Wow, this is this is a lot to." figure out it here. is it is so um i ended up calling the southern foodways alliance and because i knew virginia had done it she and i had talked before at a meeting and um they said yeah she's the one to talk to she's the only one we know that that's in our network that's been there so so i was able to get in touch with her give her a call and she kind of walked me through mm-hmm. you know the the things that i would need to do the the food the pantry that i would need to provide and yeah those kinds of things it was just fascinating to uh, to learn all that, and we did that for a couple of years, and you know, had our own little chopped with grills, and it was it was a lot of work. Though. It's a ton, ton of work. It's a ton of work. Those shows, man, the culinary producers for those shows do such a great job of of assembling um, the dishes. I mean, because so on Chopped Junior or Chopped, you know, you're making your own dish. Oftentimes, well, with Master Chef, you've got a 
basket challenge where you're, it's very similar to chomp, mm-hmm. but you've got to replicate somebody's dish. Uh-huh. And, you know, to be able to pull that off is just really, really incredible. So, but, you know, it, it, it's interesting. One of the things I've noticed as we've gotten involved with culinary stuff is there is a distinction between a chef and a television chef. Hmm. So, and I've noticed some chefs have a little bit of a disdain for a television chef. Like uh, you mentioned a Guy Fieri or a Bobby Flay, you might get a little bit of an eye roll. Um, and I, I've seen that happen firsthand, not in any of the master chef circles or anything like that. But um, so we've, we've created this, this personality of the TV chef. Um, Robert uh, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations book is phenomenal where he talks about um, his rise to being a chef and his working through uh, New York kitchens. And, you know, that was the culture before the celebrity chef, Mm -hmm. the rise of the celebrity chef. And uh, it's just really interesting to see how we put um, these TV chefs on a, on a culinary pedestal now. Oh yeah. I was thinking about that. Cause you now, not just the TV chefs, but chefs in general have become more celebrity, even the ones that maybe are not on TV and used to be, you'd go to a restaurant and you really wouldn't know who the chef was. You yeah. just, you just go to the restaurant cause you like certain kind of food or you've had good experience there or somebody's recommended it. But now you follow the chefs. You, you, I know you the do. chef's name, especially through my SFA connections. You know, I'm looking to, okay, well, who, who cooked breakfast at this meeting and where do they yeah. cook? You know, if I'm going to New Orleans, then I'm looking to see, okay, well, who, whose food have I eaten or who have they talked about? And I want to try to go to those restaurants and chefs move around. So it's not always the same yeah. place. Yeah. Um, so that's, is, it is a completely new world. And I, I'm, I think food network and, you know, all the offshoots that we talked about are responsible for that. It's a completely different landscape now than it used to be. You know, we talked about how MTV has changed from music videos to reality and, and, and pop culture. I find myself, if I'm going to watch culinary TV, I'm watching Cooking Channel before I'm watching Food Network. I'm not a big fan of watching uh, culinary competitions um, because I'm looking for new ways to shoot pieces uh-huh. and uh, i really like what cooking channel has done i've never had that level of cable to yeah <laughs> to watch cooking channel but we've got a we've got a really old direct tv package that we've had for 15 years that has got <laughs> cooking channel in it and uh, every time they tried to get me to change it's like no 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 we're gonna we're gonna stay with that package but you know one thing that i'll i'll, I'll tell you and it's time for us to wrap up you know talking about the you know, the, the celebrity chefness sort of thing. I, I, I realized it, it was right after Mark's run on MasterChef Junior when it aired. Um, he and I, were, we were in New York. He was shooting one drama with David Osmond. And um, it was early August, um, like a Tuesday night, I think it was. We're walking across Times Square at 9 o'clock at night. Okay. And Mark gets recognized and name checked and asked for a selfie in the middle of Times Square. And then I realized, oh crap, you know, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and again, it, it just speaks to, because uh, Mark finished as a top 10 finalist. Sure. He didn't make it all the way. He was on two thirds of those episodes. Um, but it just speaks to where we are as a culture, how, 
how enlightened from a food standpoint we've gotten. I think, you know, we, we trace back, we look at the TV dinners of what we grew up with to now all the ingredients that we've got available, all the different styles of, of cooking that you can do at home now because we have a larger ingredients base. Right. And you, you can order stuff online that there wasn't that availability before. Yeah. You lived, if you lived in a small town, Mississippi 20 years ago, there was ingredients you weren't going to have. Yeah, exactly. And now you see it on Food Network and you can go to the Thrive Market or whoever and, and have it the next day. Well, and, and then Amazon buying Whole Foods you oh, know, yeah. changes the whole thing. Uh, no pun intended. You know, in Amazon building out their transportation infrastructure where they're trying to take over delivery as well. They want to be the last mile provider for delivery. And I read an article that said that they're trying to get all their prime deliveries to one day. So that opens up okay, if you're getting stuff to me in one day, that opens up the availability to ship fresh food uh-huh. with dry ice in right. a one-day radius from a warehouse. And so it becomes... And that takes you into HelloFresh and Blue Apron and all that does. other stuff that, that's a whole other industry. And it's and it's crazy. Food is so huge. And, and, and you're kind of like, well, duh, guys, of course it is. But um, never before have we had this these many choices as far as restaurants mm-hmm. or availability at home or via mail order online. You know, it's just crazy. So, yeah. and I was, you, you were talking about Mark's, uh, uh, can't talk interaction in times square. And I'll just throw out my, you know, Mark and I have been able to do some local videos together. And so I have a friend who recently was telling me, I haven't seen this friend in 10 years probably. And, uh, but he's, we, we stay in touch and he said his, I was asking him how how are things going with your kids, and she said he said well you're our daughter uh, you're kind of a minor celebrity to my daughter uh, because she watches MasterChef Junior she knew Mark and then we showed her the videos of you and Mark and so now you're I'm I'm riding Mark's coattails as a minor local oh that's funny <laughs> culinary celebrity that's so. funny you I'll take what I can get you're part of Mark's entourage from here on out so. <laughs> okay yeah yeah that's that's not creepy. At all, period. So, yeah, 15 seconds of fame. Yeah. So, what's your favorite? Uh, let's close out. What's your favorite reality show? That's definitely going to be Next Food Network Star. Yeah. That's the one that I'm going to watch until it's not on anymore. And then <laughs> I'll have to pick another one. Yeah. Probably yeah. MasterChef Junior after that. It's it's fun. I like when Gordon Ramsay's nicer. Yeah. So, yeah. it's fun to watch the kids. And, and he was great to the kids. Really nice guy. We got to meet him. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's reality TV, not real life TV, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's not scripted, but I mean, some of the property shows that you're going to see on HGTV, some of those are a lot more scripted. Uh-huh. Um, I worked a show years ago for uh, TV one. It was a, um, a family reunion show. It shot in Octoc and I shot for that, man, this is 10, 12 years ago. And so you've got a producer, uh, director who comes in you've got a producer who's going to basically for that show almost force-fed answers oh gosh to uh well i say that not really they were leading questions because they had a particular story they had already interviewed family members and picked up on conflict um and things that would make a good storyline and so that producer a good producer director for a show like that is going to come in and since that amplify it and knows what makes good television and um, that's why because otherwise it's not on another no. season if it's not well good you know and, and that's why everybody talks about you know all all the different home improvement shows um, they've got their particular beats that they hit you know and um, you know it's a formula and it's a popular formula so but it comes down to the personalities 
Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So, kind of like this show comes down to personalities time and time <laughs> again. So, guys, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time around.